Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Today's message is titled, Be More Light. Be more what? Be more light. What more? So if I ask you, what more? What are you going to say? Be more light. That's what more. Be more light. So we're in the series of what more. This is our third installment, part three and um, of what more. And we're going to call it Be More Light. I hope you're encouraged. Um, I know that my family's watching from home. My wife's probably watching from home. Right alongside her is my son. And I just want Jackson to know that I love him. I love you too, Jade. But Jackson, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. You're a big boy. And I'm happy for you. And uh, God is doing great things. And I want my son to know. That. Let's give a hand to the Lord and, and let Jackson know that we're proud of him. We're proud of him. And uh, because I have the, the podium today, I just wanted to honor and strengthen my son and tell him that we're all proud of him. Amen? Praise God. So I know he heard that. And if he didn't, I'll go back and play for him and say, look what, look what we said today at church. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 5. Are we all there? Praise God. We, we've, been, um, we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 5, and we've been discussing Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy specifically to Israel, specifically to the northern and southern kingdom, actually, and um, what God was going to do, what God was speaking to them. And um, I've shared that Isaiah 5 is such a relevant passage for the United States of America 2020, for our very own city, state, and all across our nation. Such a unique passage, which I felt so strongly to get into it and preach it and share it for the next four weeks or so. And we jumped on Isaiah chapter 5, and yes, we started in the beginning of Isaiah 5 talking about the vineyard of the Lord. And what exactly happened with the vineyard? Maybe we'll close off with that again today. I don't want to start with that today. But it ends off from discussing the vineyard to this place of Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Within that same passage, the prophet says this. The Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, what sorrow or what woe to those. Woe to those who call evil good. We spoke last week, and if you missed last week's message, right, be more good. What more? Be more good. And we encourage people to, to do that and to jump into last week's message at some point. But here is the first sentence, the first phrase of danger, of warning, of woes. And it was, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And it says, who substitute darkness for light. And I like how Holman translates this because he uses the word substitutes. Substitutes darkness for light. Where the New King James or the ESV might put something like who put darkness for light. But I like that Holman puts who substitutes darkness for light and light for darkness. And then he says who substitutes bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Notice the substitution. Notice the replacement. We're replacing something that always was or that always should be to something new that never was meant to replace it. We're living in a time where things are being replaced, renamed. From young boys to young children to men to women. I mean, I mean, at any cost, if it's okay with you and if it's what you need to identify with, you could replace it and it's fine. We're living in a generation where replacement is is happening at all times. Substitution is happening at all times. Disregarding what the Bible says. Disregarding what is true and not true. Disregarding what is of darkness and what is of light. What is of the enemy and what is of God. And for the sake of all of us living in harmony and all of us being at peace and everyone just living in love, um, we have to just accept this replacement and this substitution for whatever that person or you feel is right to you. But I want you to know that I have come in my time with the Lord that I've recognized that many times 
what feels right and what I believe is right to me. The Lord has rebuked and corrected me to tell me I'm glad you think it's right and you feel it's right. But as I open up the word before you, I'm going to declare to you that it's actually wrong. You see, our authority is the word of God. I, my word is not my own authority. Though this is my life, yet in scripture it does say it's not my own life. So, so think about that for a moment in the days that we're living in because we tend to say this is my own life and this is my own body and a, a person should do with their body as they please. They should do with their own body. Well, the scripture says this is not our own body, that the Lord has formed us in our mother's womb and what a woman can do with her own body and what she could do with a child that's living in her body. She has the freedom to do. I mean, we need to really look at truth in scripture and what may seem true to us and right to us when we come before the presence of the Lord and the word of the Lord he might correct us very carefully and lovingly and say but it's not right to me the heart of God says this truth and what happens with that as well is when we substitute something called darkness and we begin to substitute that which is dark with something that is light and start to call that darkness good How many of you would like to call things the way God calls things? See things the way God sees things? How many of you have prayed that before? Say, Lord, I just want to see how you see. I want to think how you think. I want to know your thoughts. I want to do your will, right? And And that's true. And many have come to the place where they've grabbed darkness or they've taken darkness and they've substituted for that which is light. And they've called dark light. And then they've called light dark. And the Lord says, I know that that's what it seems to you or what you feel like, but at the end of it all when you stand before me on that great day of judgment know that that is wrong and we will make that way clear Isaiah 520 specifically is today's message and it says woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness woe to those who substitute darkness for light and substitute light for darkness. One translation says, what sorrow for those. Another, so obvious with where we're at and how dark it's gotten and how evil the times have been. Man has both adapted and contributed to this darkness. I want to make sure you understand those two words. In the days that we're living in, man has both adapted to darkness. Well, it's just everyone is like this or everyone does this or everyone watches or everyone goes and we've just adapted or contributes to this darkness. Both is sin. Do you guys know that omission is a sin and so is commission? The sin of omission and the sin of commission. All right? And, and we need to recognize that when we ought to do something and we don't do it, or when we're doing something that we shouldn't do, all of that before the Lord has to be dealt with. But it's obvious that, that, that we're at this place where man has adapted and contributed to this darkness. And I strengthen you and I pray that not us. Not me, not you. And that we could be very careful, very wise, and discern the days that we're living in. Darkness has been accepted. It's become the norm. And we, we've, we've discussed this, you know, our very own living rooms, our very own schools. Look into the schools. Look what's happening in the schools. Look at what's being taught in the schools. Darkness has entered our schools, even our churches, and obviously from our churches to the government. Obviously, darkness has touched every area of our land, from north to south to east to west. It's nothing new. Paul tells us that that darkness has been ruling in this world for a long time. Are you guys with me? But what happens is with those who are in the light are manipulated or they're led by that darkness that is ruling in this world. That's the danger. Many have twisted their morals. Many that were on the right track have twisted their theology. Even their very own behaviors. I believe that if you twist your theology, you automatically twist your behavior. If you change your theology, you're going to change the way you behave, obviously. And they've changed their behaviors and we've exchanged as a people. Many even Christians as a nation, we've exchanged. Many have exchanged light for darkness and they've did this substitution, this exchange. And each day, as you read scripture and as you stay in the presence of the Lord, you're going to see more and more that we're living in the days, in the days in which Paul says to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read this scripture to you. In Philippians chapter 2, in this passage, in verse 15 specifically, Paul writes to the church of Philippi, he says that you, church, 
That you believers, sons and daughters, that you, everyone say that me. You weren't too convinced there. That me. That me, that I will, that me, I will. Look what he tells them. That you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish, in the midst of what kind of generation? Of a crooked, we've read this, of a twisted, another translation might say what? Perverse. No, definitely, this is not talking about us. They messed up right there. This is not us. But of a crooked, of a twisted, of a perverse generation among whom you, he's talking about you again. He's talking about the church of Philippi here. He's talking to a bunch of believers among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you see the contrast there between the world and those that are of the light that are living in the world? So in the world, there is a twisting, there is a distortion, there is a what? A, 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 a perversity, a crookedness, but you, you shine as the light in the midst of that. So what is Paul doing in his writing? He's not giving the church any excuse to be like them, he's giving every excuse to be like him. Don't be like this world, be like the world that you belong to. But I live in this world, I know, but you've read my other scripture where I've also written to you that you're in this world, but you're definitely of another world and your citizenship is from another kingdom. So is that you would be blameless and innocent, that you would be the children of God on this earth. We live in a time where everyone is calling themselves children of God, when in reality we're seeing that they're children of wrath and not necessarily children of God. That we would be children of God and that many more children of God would come from it. That we would shine as lights to this world. What more? What more? What is Isaiah saying? What more could I have done to you? I put you in the vineyard there in the beautiful place where, there's a, where there is a wine press and there is a watchtower and I've taken away the stones and, I've, and I, what more could I have done for you, Israel? What more? And the Lord is telling us today, well, here's something else. Be more light. Be more light. We're just very obvious. Just be light. Be the light. You are in the midst of a crooked and twisted, perverse generation. When you look at that word twisted in the Greek, I, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. Sorry, I forgot to study the pronunciation of it, but it's diastrepho. And this word twisted in the Greek means to distort, to misinterpret or morally corrupt. Think about that definition. Distort, misinterpret, or morally corrupt. So we live in the midst of a distorted, misinterpreting, morally corrupt generation. And who was writing this? Paul. During what? His time. Think about what this means today. See, church, God's truth has always been attacked. How many of you have been attacked for God's truth? God's truth, and I'm going, to be, I'm going to say something here to you for a moment. The bolder you get with truth, the greater your attacks are going to be. But, I promise you this, the greater His glory over your life. The bolder you get, the more courage you get, you're going to see that attacks will come. But don't think for once that He's going to leave you empty-handed of His glory. See, God's truth has always been attacked by being distorted, by being misinterpreted. And now more than ever, we're seeing it in a way in which even as believers, they've, they've given themselves to these illusions, to false teachings in this time that we're living in. And many have done all these things in the, love, in the, in the name of love, love, or in the name of even grace, while yet deep in its roots and its significance, not having any truth at all. You could say all the love and you could speak of all the grace, but if that love and that grace is not rooted in truth, then it's a false love and it's a false grace. Are you all with me? Because Jesus is not only grace. If you remember John chapter 1, when Jesus is being introduced into the New Testament and through the ministry of John the Baptist, what does it say about Jesus? He was full of grace, but it did not just put a period at the end of grace. It says he was also full of truth. Grace comes with truth. You can't separate one from the other. And I don't think that we should or we have to sit here and discuss 
necessarily all the reasons or all the hows of how we've become morally corrupt, twisted as a generation and how it's gotten uh, because of all this influx of stuff. But we see it, it's all around us. It's, it's just a surge, a surge of stuff. Immorality poured over generations and over this generation, whether it's through technology. I mean, my goodness, social media, whether it's television, music, entertainment, and so on. I mean, Adrian was spending some time with me interpreting one of the newest songs from a rap woman that had no idea what those three letters meant. And he was breaking it down for me. I was like, what? And that's just what our kids are singing right now, you know? And, and she's just immoral and she's teaching young girls how to be immoral and to do things with their body that they're never called to do with their body. Or no man is to do with their body. Amen. But maybe their future husband. I haven't heard the lyrics all of it, so I can't testify for that. But it's, it's just a world that we're living in. It's dark all around us. What was once disgraceful to speak or to do, to watch together, within, even within our own homes, whatever it is, has become norm, has become regular. And if we're not doing it, we've become the minority in these days. Now more than ever, what is the world screaming for? What is creation yelling? It, it needs us and, and the Lord calls us to be more light. This world is calling us to be the light. I love that in C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. I love all his writings. In C.S. Lewis, he writes a hymn in, in the wardrobe. Um, and into the wardrobe, he writes this hymn. And I want to share it with you. And this is what he says. I just took it out for a moment. And it says this. Once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or evil side. Some great cause, God's new Messiah, offering each the bloom or blight. And the choice goes by forever twixt that darkness and that light. There's a choice. It's presented before us. It's obvious before us. All of mankind has the responsibility. All of us has the responsibility to decide on our own whether we will live in darkness or whether we will live in light. Whether we will serve that which is dark or serve that which is light. Each person must decide for their own. No one can decide for them. They will all have to give an account before that great day of judgment. But you have a responsibility to be light before them. Though they decide on their own and we can't force, we're called to bring the light into darkness. Amen? G.K. Chesterton says this, The issue is now clear. It is between light and darkness and everyone must choose his or her side. It's clear. And that's what we're in. And this is scripture after scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. What does the Lord say there to the children of Israel. To the Israelites. To the Hebrew people. Through Moses today. I have given you the choice between what? Life and death. Between blessings and curses. And I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. So that you and your descendants might live. There's an honor, there's a blessing, not just for you, but for the descendants, future descendants, that they would live. Why would they live? Because you chose life. Not death, not darkness, light. To be light. To be light and be more light. Generations of, of Christians, and, and this generation specifically, let's just talk about this day that we're living in, cannot afford to be twisted. Cannot afford to be confused. We need to remain blameless, as Paul tells the church of Philippi. We need to remain innocent. We need to be children of God, doing what? Shining, shining as lights in this world, just like God told Israel, that we would choose life and that light so that the next generation would be able to live, so that they would be able to have life. I know for a fact, man, the repercussions it has on my children if I begin to die today. If I spiritually die today, what does that mean for my young children tomorrow? For the generations to follow that, that I would choose life and not be twisted, but remain in the light and be light. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 through 14, Paul is not writing to the churches just to make sure that, hey, I want to make sure that what you're feeling is... I, I want to please what you feel or I want to make sure that 
He had to tell them truth. He had to write to them and present truth to them, whatever the cause. He, he writes in Ephesians 5, imagine reading this from Paul, the apostle, and he says, don't participate in the things that people do or that these people do. So, so he's writing to a people that in their current generation, they're, they're not living pure. And he's like, don't participate with them. Don't participate in those things. Verse 8, because we, we, we need to remember who we are. Verse 8 says, you were, you were once them. You were once full. Full of it. You were full of darkness. But now you have light that's from the Lord. So, so you live different, he says in verse 8. You live as people of light. And he says in verse 9, for, the, for this light within you produces. I love that. What does that mean? That light is alive. It's producing. Darkness is dead. It's not producing. It's actually killing. But, but light is producing. I love, I f- forgive me for not knowing the details. I'll share this with someone, I think, here not that long ago. But when, 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 when a woman becomes pregnant, right, when, 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 when that sperm goes in and, 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 and the baby is ready to get formed, they say that right there at that moment, if you were able to look at that woman's body, that her whole body flashes light. Because it is a, it is a message of life has entered. And, and the whole body flashes inside of light real quick for a quick second. Light happens inside the woman's body. And that is just representing that life is occurring. I'm forming something from light. Because where there is light, there is life. That's why, like, we're going to read later on again, we're going to close again with Revelation, where in Revelation is like, there is no need for the moon because no darkness will be here. There is no need for the stars because we're not going to have to shine anything here in the eternal kingdom. Actually, forever and ever and ever, the kingdom that we will reign in, there will be light and there will be light forever and the light will come from the throne of God. And, and, and it's, a, it's an ongoing light. What does that mean? There's an eternal life that is happening in eternity because there's an eternal light that will never grow dim. And every water source that comes from the light and touches, the trees begin to become alive. And the people eat from those trees and they begin to be healed and become alive. Why? Because wherever there is light, there is life. We're called to be light. And if we walk into a place where there is dead, I love that, he, that the prophet walked into a valley of darkness. I love that. He walked into a valley of dry bones, of, of exceedingly dry bones. There was an army of skeletons. And they weren't just dead there for a moment. They've been dead there for a long time because they were dry. They were dry. They were there in the valley. And the Lord tells the prophet, can these bones live again? Well, Lord, only you know if they can live again. Well, prophesy to these bones to live again. All right, I'll say what you said. And he prophesies for these bones to live again. And what's beautiful is it's a representation once again that one man that carries the light could bring forth life to a whole valley of dry and dead bones. I'm wondering if you believe that the light that shines in you is so powerful that if you speak to a valley of dry and dead bones you can see dry and dead bones become alive again not because of anything but the light that gives life inside of you i'm wondering if we believe that oh no that's for the that's for that famous evangelist youtube preacher that is for the pastor of this church no it's for every children of god for every child of god who is called to be the light of this world who speaks into the death of the dry bone valley i'm wondering If you stand in glory and you stand in heaven and you look down and you see what has formed here on this earth and on this land, if all you see is dry bones, all you see is just dead bones in a valley, and the Lord is saying, I'm calling the prophets of this day to rise up. And the prophets at any moment, they're going to hear the sound and they're going to begin to speak to the dry, dead bones and bones that have been dead for generations, generations of curses. In an instant, when the light flashes, life will begin to occur. Skin, tendons, hair, muscles, hair, breath. And then there was a rattling And they became an exceedingly great army. I wonder if we believe that we have the same light in us today. I propose to you to grab the light that's in you and put it to work. And see that when you flash it on something that's dead, 
see if that dead thing starts to live again. How many of us have been praying for that person that we work with? Man, I wish I would have brought a flashlight today. I have a flashlight on my phone. 2020, why did I say that? Literally, turn off all the lights here, man. I'm sorry, YouTube guys, but it's going to get dark on your screen at home. There is no technical problem. But, oh, yeah, the screen. It's all right. Leave it like this. I'm wondering if I'm, we've been praying for that family member. You know what I'm saying? I'm wondering if we've been praying for that spouse. I'm wondering if we've been praying for that neighbor. I'm wondering if we've been praying for people that our heart is burdened for. And praying is good. Praying is what the Lord calls us to do. But I'm wondering that if in your prayer, the Lord has given you a charge. Not to be obnoxious. Not to be weird. Not to fight. Not to be annoying. None of that. Just to come into someone's life that you've been in prayer for. And out of nowhere, just walking around them. And out of nowhere, just shine your light. I'm wondering if the Lord just call, has called you to that. Where, 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 where your prayer now begins to take on activity. Your prayer begins to take on action. And you know what? I've prayed for this person for so long and I've prayed for this situation for so long that I've recognized through Scripture that I have the light of Christ living inside of me. And that which I'm praying for, I'm, the ch I'm a child of God on this earth. And that what I'm praying for, I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start to put action to it. And as I put action to it, I'm going to start walking around and I'm just going to shine my light. And if my light, who else has a phone? If my light touches your light, start turning on your lights. Lights start coming up. Light starts. Just filling up the room. The room has gotten so much brighter already. I mean, I get it. We're talking about our iPhone or whatever device you have, the light that it contains. But, but right now, we, one light penetrated another light, another life which penetrated, which brought forth life to come out of them, which penetrated another life which brought forth life out of them. And next thing you know, now we have a room that is, that is full of light. But the, but the beauty behind this is that for the room to get full of light, it took the prophet to take the first step of faith and say, will I prophesy to that which is dead and dry? Will I put to action that thing? Will I be more light? And in that light, it impacts them. So now that which is dead all around us now, now begins to shine light. And look what happens here. It's become an exceedingly great army of light. We all have become light that shines in the darkness. You know what happens now? When we gather, it becomes harder for darkness to touch, penetrate, or anything because the light shines brighter because there's, there's more than two that are gathered in the presence and the power of his light. You could turn on the lights again so we could see each other and, and continue with this. Amen? We are light. We are light. He says, For once you were full of darkness, but you have light. Verse 8, Ephesians chapter 5. And you live as people as light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of the evil and darkness. Instead, you what? Expose. You want to know how you expose something? With light. You expose it with light. When you get up in the middle of the night and you know you didn't clean up too well and you know the floor is a little messy 
You take out your phone and you shine some light to go to the restroom. Why? To expose what's in your path. So you need to use light. You need to use light. And that's what he says. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to walk about those things that ungodly people do in the secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed. When what? When what? How will evil be exposed? Man, Paul says it clearly in verse 13. They're exposed when the light shines on them. Thank you for praying. Don't stop praying. I'm not, cease, I'm not asking you to cease praying. I'm telling you to put action to your prayer. Let your light expose evil. Amen? For the light makes everything what? Alive. Makes everything what? Visible. Like we just saw in this demonstration today. Visible. And that's why it says what? Awake, O sleeper. Here is the prophet speaking to the dry and weary dead bones. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Amen? Statistically, if you look around and you could do some homework, I'm not lying. Every year, the number grows or minimizes, however you want to say it, but the number stretches. And in every denomination of Christianity, you'll see that there's negative growth. There's negative growth in every denomination. And it's more than any other generation today, and it's, it's a warning. More than ever, people are denying God. There are less people, less families in churches and doing family, doing church together than ever before. And it's telling us something, that we have opportunity to shine brighter than ever before because for the sole fact that it's darker than ever before. There's hope today. Make it alive. Make that hope alive. Make that light alive in you. Be light. What more? Be more light. How many of you could say amen? D.L. Moody says this, and I quote him. He says, we're told to let our light shine. And if it does, we don't need to tell anybody it does. You know those people that, that shine, their, shine their light like, I'm shining my light. I'm shining my light so I can. He says, just shine your light. Be that light. He says, lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. They just shine. Just shine your light with every person. Just, what do I have in the first day? This is such a powerful passage. This is a powerful passage because notice that, that there was darkness before all of creation. What was there? Darkness. When light entered, things started to what? Become alive. He just started to create what? Life. Why? Because light began to enter the room. And when light began to speak from all aspects, not just human beings, but life all around us, trees are living. I told my son all the time, stop ripping the branches. Stop ripping the trees. Would you like for me to rip a finger off you? That tree has a feeling. That tree's alive. It's God's creation. I know it's weird, but you know, it's God's creation. It's God's creation. Don't just, you don't go up to an animal and say, you're, you're an animal, so I could break your leg. No, it's God's creation. Though I see a roach, I'm going to stomp on it. I know, it's kind of hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. I'm, work with me. Work with me. It's God's creation. I know, I've raided it. Just don't like those critters. Sometimes you got to follow your notes because then you'll catch yourself. Amen? All right. But seriously, in Genesis chapter 1, notice the darkness before all of creation. Verse 3 and 4. Did you catch what we read? God, for some reason, is not pleased with the darkness that was covering the earth. He was not pleased with it. He was not. Why didn't he just leave it? He was not pleased with the darkness that was covering the earth. So what we see in verse 3 and 4 was there was always a, a darkness covering 3 and 4. It says he creates light. And verse 4 tells us that he saw this light that was created and he says, that is good. He saw light and that it was good. Never, never, and you should write this in your notes, keep this in your mind. Never do we see God look upon the darkness and call it good. Don't ever stand before darkness and begin to justify how that darkness can be good. So just so that you can have a relationship with it. Get to the place where you recognize that when you see darkness in front of you, you say what? God has no place in this darkness and this is not good. I'm light and this is good. Stop living a life where we justify so that we could be friends with darkness and just say, nope, that's not good. God called the light good and I am called to be be light in this world. He doesn't acknowledge it. Never do we see God look at darkness and say, whoa, darkness, that's good. Does never in scripture cause it good. If you show me a scripture where he caused darkness good, I will come next Sunday and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I, I didn't, I forgot that that scripture was there. 
But darkness is not good. I don't see it anywhere. He doesn't acknowledge it. Never do we see it as part of him. Never does he describe a part of his being as darkness. Part of his creating as darkness. He sees the darkness and instead he creates light. And with creation, all this stuff ministers and it reminds us of this truth, of his truth. And it says something in verse 4 that we must always keep in our hearts. And in verse 4 it says, he divided. But God is not a God who divides. It is when it's evil and good he divides. He divides dark and light. He divides the light from the darkness. But I'm not saying this. Verse 4 clearly says it. He never divided the darkness. Read verse 4 carefully. You'll see that he divided the light from the darkness. He gave no attention to the darkness. The light that he created, he says, you're different. I'm calling you to be light. He separated the light from the darkness, not the darkness from the light. Just like one day, we will all stand before his presence. And what does he do? The Bible says he will draw a line and down the middle, okay? And he will what? He'll tell the goats to get on one side, and he will tell the sheep to get on the other side. What is he doing? He is what? Separating the light from the darkness. He's always done that. It's his message. It's his heart. He's dividing light from darkness. He never divided the darkness from the light. He, he signified and he singled out the light from this darkness. He, he's painting a bigger picture here. Who are we now to grab these two and unite them and call them one the other and the other one the other one? We're no one to call light darkness and darkness light. Do you know what we're doing when we call darkness light and light darkness? We're going over the what? We're going over the reasoning and, and we're going over the 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 creating of our creator. We're making ourselves God when we begin to call things that God has already called it. Have you about that? So what has happened in this world? They've become their own gods. They've served other gods and they stopped calling what God has called good and they began to call it evil, evil, good and they started to call what? Darkness, light and light, darkness, not us. He divided it one from the other. How many sons and daughters of God could say amen? And verse 5 says that he called the light day and he called darkness night. So we try to be like God when we do that and substitute one for the other. You, me, us, together, Christians all over, cannot, cannot change or rename what God has already established and named. Light is light. And we're called to be more light. God is light. Be more light. How many of you can say amen? As the worship team starts coming up, I want to read some scripture to you. In John chapter 3, I'm going to read from Eugene Peterson's message translation. I have it here as well to read from mine, but for sake of time, I'll just read it from Eugene's. He says it this way. He says, this is the crisis we're in. John 3, 19, 20, and 21. God light streamed into the world. But men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God, God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and really welcomes God, God's light so the work can be seen for the God work it is. I love how he translates that and how he puts that because what is John 3, 19 through 21 really telling us? That if they hate God's light and they won't come, let, let, let God's light and let's take God's light because darkness won't come near it. So guess what? God's light has to go, what? Penetrate them. Because they'll run from the light of Christ. Well, guess what the light does? The light will never run from the darkness. We're not scared or fear. So we enter into dark places, not because we're of them, and we fellowship every room that we fill. So the light of that we don't fear it for any reason. Darkness can never power light as we shared for the last two weeks. Light always defeats darkness. And when we shine as light among darkness, we know that we don't belong in it, in this world or of that darkness, but we're called to what? What is all this light saying? I save this as I end. The light is to sanctify. It's to sanctify this world that we're living in. Christ is praying for his disciples in John 17. And he's praying to the Father. And Jesus Christ the Son says this. In verse 16 he says, they're not of this world. What? 
Father, just as I'm not of the world. But look what he says in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. They're not of it. We've been sent. You should write that down. I've been sent. And I've been sent as light as he is light. I'm going to give you some quotes. Augustine says this, Though the light shines on things unclean, yet it is not thereby, therefore defiled. Our light shines on things unclean, but that light is not defiled. We sanctify that darkness. Our light is pure. It has power. Our light wins. Francis of Assisi says, All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Did you guys notice when we put on the light, all the darkness in the room was not able to extinguish a single candle. It was not able to cover the light. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica in verses 5 through 8, he says, you're sons of light, you're daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and we know where we stand. Let's not sleepwalk through life like those others Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. He says, walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and hope of salvation. In John 8, chapter 12, Jesus speaks to his followers. And again, what does he tell them? He says, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, the light in the darkness calling us men to not walk in darkness, but to have the light and the life of this world. Be more light. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says the ways of the right living people, they glow with light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, for once you were full of darkness, I said, but now you have the light from the Lord. So you live as people of light. And here's the Revelation ones. In Revelation 22.5, it says, Never again will there be any night. No one will need lampstand or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all the light that anyone needs. And they will rule with age after age after age. What did I say a few weeks ago? It's for the ages. In Revelation 21, 27, and I end. He says, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There is light. There is life. And nothing of darkness and nothing of evil should penetrate it. What more can I do for you? What more, Israel? What more? And he says in Isaiah chapter 5, so important. He says, now I sing to the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land. He cleared its stones. He planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower. He carved a wine press in nearby rocks. And then he waited for the harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were wild, were bitter grapes. What more, verse 4? What more? You could hear the, the heart of God. What more could I have done for my vineyard? What more? What more could I have done that I have not already done? When I expected you to bring sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? So the Lord tells us today, come on, sons and daughters. What more? What more? And our reply back to our father is what? I take the challenge, I take the call that while I'm on this earth, I'm called to what? I'm called to what? I'm called to be more light. Come on, can you stand with me?
Lord, as we stand up, that our lives would, our lives would be more light. The world is perishing. People are falling away. The laws of man contradicting the laws of God. The kingdoms of this earth who've decided to be at war with the kingdoms of with the kingdom of God. But Lord, you're you're not finished. You're not finished with this earth that you created. As I'm praying this, just really meditate on this. You're not finished. Because you have a you have prophets in this land. We hold the prophecy of God. I hold the prophecy of God in my heart, in my hands right here. And Lord, you're not finished with this earth. You've called me your vineyard and I've been placed here. And you say today, what more, what more? You're not done. Because here are your sons and daughters and we're saying, we're going to be out there and we're going to be good. We're going to go out there and we're going to be light. We're going to go out there and we're going to be sweet. We're going to change. We're going to change people one person at a time. By exposing darkness with the light that lives within us. The light which is Jesus Christ. You've called us to be more light. Come on, how many of you could give God some praise? You've called us to be more light. Lord, if there's anyone that's here today... Maybe there's someone watching. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would make them bold, give them courage. You've called us to walk into valleys of dry and dead bones. Give us the boldness to put to action what we're praying for. Put us to boldness to pray for things that we're scared to pray. Give us boldness to prophesy, to speak life and shine light to that which is dark and dead. I pray that you would give us wisdom, discernment, that, Lord, we would see those appointments as you give them to us, that we would take on those invitations And that we would walk into those dark places and be light in those places. You're calling us for such a time. This generation for this moment. What more for exactly this? To be good. And as we're here today, to be light. We may not change every kingdom. We may not change the president, future presidents, governors, mayors, the elected officials. We may not change a continent, a country. We may not change the other side of this earth. But Lord, one person at a time, which then becomes another person, which then becomes another person, that signs and wonders would follow us, that great works would follow because the name of Jesus Christ is performing the light of Christ is performing its awe and its good purposes and its perfect will and that we would be your children that would be the light in this world Lord we love you Lord and we thank you strengthen our hearts strengthen our minds strengthen our souls today that we would be more that we would be just that the light We are the salt of this earth. And we praise you for this beautiful morning you've given us. 
Thank you for those home that are watching that you would minister right there, right there where they're standing, where they're sitting, that you would minister to their hearts. As you have your eyes closed and as you're meditating, just seeking the face of the Lord, I want you to really take action in the simple things today. Today, maybe you could pray for someone and think about who needs to hear this word. Who needs to know that there's life in his light? Who needs to encounter the light of Christ? Maybe you have a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, someone that you're in a chat room with, I don't know. But all of us knows of one individual that needs to hear to be more light. That it today would be their day of repentance, that they would repent of their sins, that they would ask forgiveness and that they would turn to God, that they would turn away from evil. So I encourage every single person listening under the sound of my voice to take this challenge. Some of you or most of you have social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever you might have. Some of you have a smart device that sends out text messages. I encourage you to go to YouTube and I want you to copy this message and just share it. Share it with one. Share it with ten. Share it with a hundred. Or make it personal, personal to that person and say, I prayed for you and I'm praying this message. I'm willing to speak to you more about it if you want. Hear it and let me know. Send the invitation out. Send the YouTube video out and let them hear the word of God. So I encourage you to do that. I challenge you to do that. Let someone hear the call in their lives. Let their light, let the light expose maybe the darkness in them. And let them take the challenge that they too are called to be light in this world. Come on, can we just, I, I want to activate a faith today. I really hope that I don't have to lead this prayer. I really hope that we could pray this together. I'm going to shut off my mic and I I hope that you guys could pray. Let's pray out loud. Can we pray for those that we're going to be sending this message to? That the Lord would expose and that the Lord would make something real happen to them. Come on, let's intercede for a minute right now. And, and if you know them already, pray for that person by name. Come on, let's all pray together right now.